Hi, everybody. Welcome to Busy Living So Bob. Busy Living So Bob. Busy Living So Bob. We are on episode 181 with Zach Crouch. How are you, Zach, today? I'm great. Yeah, it's a wonderful day, and it's a pleasure to be on your show, Busy. It's I've listened to your show, and, and, and you do not lack energy, so I can definitely appreciate that. Definitely appreciate that. You know, it's the crazy energy. I think it's the adrenaline that helps us get through life when we're going through it, right? Going through tough times, it's that adrenaline that just kicks in, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us. It's 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock at night, and you're just like, all right, I'm ready, I'm ready for bed, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. Today, it's so crazy knowing that, like, I feel like the day, I don't know if they're longer or shorter. What do you think? It's been great just to, like, I was telling you before the episode started, you know, I've got like a little patio outside my house and my, and my wife and I will go out there in the evening while the kids are still playing. It's like nine o'clock at night. It's still light outside here in Louisville. So that's been great. And like a thunderstorm came in last night. We're just sitting out there and, and just enjoying kind of the nature, you know, just, just, it was great, man. It was, it was beautiful actually just to do that, you know, and not have to worry about, you know, it's kind of digressing, but not have to worry about like, where am I going to get dope from tonight? You know, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. The freedom that we never, you know, we didn't know, at least I didn't know what kind of hell I was kind of living in my own private prison. Right. When right. those, cause all we wanted to do was get our stuff and how do we have enough and where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And it's almost the 4th of July. It's a weird that's time to have the 4th of July. Right. Yeah, it is. It's, it's extremely weird. And, uh, we'll do, we'll do social distancing fireworks probably at our house this year. <laughs> yeah. There aren't so going to be any, big, there won't be any big celebrations with fireworks yep. and gathering. And I think there's a sadness and we talked about that earlier too. Yeah, for sure. And this freedom that we have today, what does that mean to you? Like, what do you feel like? You know, as, as we were talking about this before the episode started, um, it takes me time because as I said, I'm kind of like you, I just, I go, I go, I go, I go. Right. And in, until I just hit the pause button, either by choice or not, as the case is now, um, I don't realize how good I have it. And I don't mean that in a way that like I have stuff. I mean it in a way that yes, I have real relationships today with people, right. That aren't based on what can I get from you and what can you get from me? In, in, in that game that goes on, right, where I never feel comfortable, right? Uh, I was sharing with my, life, uh, with my wife last night. I was like, listen, I'm thinking about, because I'm operating right now. I just sold my desk. So I'm operating on really like a little slab of wood right here. It's amazing that my computer fits on this thing. Um, and I was like, I want a really nice desk, you know? And we didn't get into this fight of, well, you know, you, you bought this last year and, you know, I want this this year. It's like none of that took place. You know, I was honest, man. I was like, I really want this, you know, desk that I'm looking at. And it's going to be a little chunk of change. And we were, we were cool with that, you know. So to have that, you know, versus going behind her back and, you know, spending a bunch of money that I probably, you know, shouldn't have <laughs> or whatever the case is, I'm able to do that with her today. And, and that is a quantum leap for me from where I came when I first got into this process of recovery, right? Um, I didn't even know if I wanted to be married, first of all. I certainly didn't want kids when I first got married, you know? 
And, and that became pretty apparent, you know, in the first two years of having kids, how tough it is. But now, you know, they're, they're seven and two and it's, it's, it's still challenging, but man, I look forward to just, you know, sitting on the couch with them and, and just being with them, you know, that's fun. That's a lot of fun. So you mentioned there briefly what happened. So will you tell us what happened, what it was like and what it's like now? Yeah. So if I go back to probably like 1999, 2000, I was starting college then in Western Kentucky University. It's a town in Bowling Green here. It's probably 90 miles, maybe west of us, southwest of us. And, uh, you know, I, I, I made a commitment early on. I was really going to study. You know, I was like, I'm going to really nail this thing. And I did so well. Like I, you know, I got the Dean's list. I had a 4.0. I was, you know, first couple of years, I was hovering right around like a 3.738. So, you know, I was really studying hard. And I was committed. And then by about 2001, you know, I kind of learned how to study and, you know, how to write papers and, you know, just do the thing. And, and I noticed at that point, I was like, all right, I'm starting to go out to bars a little bit more, you know. And, and right about that time, I was starting a, like a, it was like a graduate, you know, basically paper with a professor. So I kind of worked, worked up to that. And I had to do interviews with people and I would come in hungover, you know. So I, that was kind of a clue for me, but I, I just dismissed it. I was like, I'm still doing this. I'm still doing well in school, you know, just whatever. So by about 2002, uh, a, a buddy of mine who I'd been actually, you know, drinking and using with, he kind of noticed, like he, he was like, you know, he's like, man, you, you, <laughs> you've always got something in your mouth. Like, you know, you've always got something like, you know, a drink in your hand or whatever. I was like, I was like, yeah. And he was like, you know, you might want to consider, cause he's a little bit older. He's like, you might want to consider like just checking out like an AA meeting. So I was like, all right, whatever. So I checked out an AA meeting and I was in one of those round robin, you know, sort of scenarios, right? And I'm brand new. I've got like maybe a day or two sober at that point. Okay. Will you tell us what a round robin is for those that aren't that don't know? What is yeah. a round robin? Right. So uh, just to kind of set up, so there's like 20 people sitting in a circle, and uh, you know, one person shares, and it usually goes left to right or right to left, whenever whatever you have going on in that. And then when it gets to you, it's your opportunity to share about like kind of where you're at and what's going on. So my temporary sponsor who I picked up like a day or two earlier from another meeting, I think he's sitting right here. Right. So he shares and he's like, you know, I'm glad to be here. You know, I've got 10 years sober or whatever. I'm like 10 years, man. That's a long time. So, so it comes to me next. Right. And, and I stand up and I'm, this is how kind of arrogant I am at the time. I'm like, you know, this, like, this is a great meeting, man. I don't, I'm glad to be here. You know, I appreciate you guys, but pretty sure I'm not an alcoholic, you know? <laughs> so my temporary sponsor at the time, he like literally stands up in the meeting, you know, and he's like, he's kind of like, what do you mean you don't know if you're an alcoholic? And I'm like blown away, man. I'm like, whoa, you know, like what's going on here? You know, I don't, so I had a really bad experience, right? And at the end of the meeting, I had like people coming up to me like saying like, man, we're sorry, he's usually not like that, you know? So I was like, all right, you know, I'm not coming back here again. So I kind of just dismissed, you know, 12 step, you know, recovery at the time. 
But the funny thing is how I think God works, call it God, your spiritual being, whatever, is that I had landed a job at the Warren County Drug Court, okay? And I was the drug tester, right? So I'd go in there and I'd watch, you know, I'd go in the bathroom, watch people pee in a cup, you know? So I go into these like drug testing, like court, you know, scenarios or whatever. And I'd probably been there maybe three, six months and I, I couldn't hold it together. Like I was coming in and, and pretty much everybody who worked at the drug court, like was in recovery, right? Like the people running it. So I, I get a call from um, like my boss at the time and I'd been late, been late, been late. And he was just like, dude, what's going on? And I was like, nothing, man, it's all good. I was like, what time do you need me there on Wednesday? You know? And he was like, all right, just show up at this time. So uh, I ended up showing up and I ended up getting fired. Okay. And for good reason, because I was showing up and I'm setting the precedent, you know, for these people going into pee in a cup who had been arrested, you know, <laughs> and I'm the guy that has the problem. Right. So there's some discrepancy here, obviously. But what's interesting is that the same guy that I had watched pee in a cup the day before I got fired, you know, big guy, like, you know, just, you know, um, his name is Joey. And Joey just, you know, was larger than life. Right. And I was so just disheartened after having gotten fired. I was like, all right, man, this program didn't work out. Let me try another meeting. So I go to that same meeting and Joey is there at the front door and I'm like showing up, you know, and I'm like, Oh crap, man. You know? And he just kind of humorous way says like, like, what are you doing here, man? I was like, <laughs> I was like, listen, bro. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm one of you guys, you know? And he, without hesitation, man, just gave me this huge bear hug. And I was like, I'm in, I'm in the right place, man. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the right place. And that started my journey. And that was in 2002. I didn't get clean and sober until January 2nd, or 3rd, January 2nd, 2007. Right. So five years went by and, you know, some people need to go to treatment. Um, I probably should have. Um, but for me, it was, it was a conversation that I had had in about 2005 or six with my dad. And it wasn't even really a conversation. I walked into his house. This is his house, right? Beautiful home. And he had asked for like a CD that I had borrowed. This is back when we were listening to CDs. And, and he had asked for a CD back, right? And, and I look at him and I'm just like, you know, I've been running, man. I'm just, just all messed up. And you know what? I just, I said to him, I said, listen, man, I ain't got your mother CD, right? And I said that to him in his house, right? And he said to me, he looked me dead in the eye. He said, you know what, son? He said, get the F out of here right now. And don't come back until you got your shit together. And I said, all right. And, and, and that, that, I think, paved the way for me to, like, finally just be like, this is, this is too much, man. I'm 27 years old. I've got way too much going on, you know. And I've been working, like, two jobs, probably 60-plus hours a week. And, and I was just like, this is just too much, man. So I was willing, I was willing at that point to take some suggestion, you know. And, you know, it says, you know, in – in the basic text and the, in the 12 step, you know, big book, it takes what it takes. Right. And for me, that's, that's what it took. It took me to get to the point of just being like, this is just, this is enough, man. You know? And, and I kind of had it in my head, like I was going to commit to a year of recovery. Right. And then 
I was like, you know, I'll do this for a year, man, and I'll work your stupid steps. You know, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll stand on my head, you know, but I can't guarantee you that I'll be here after a year. But in that year, you know, I just started grad school. So I had the opportunity to actually go to meetings. And at that point, for me, it was like, why would I want to go back? You know, why would I want to go back? You know, yeah, there was times and even now at 13 years of, of sobriety of clean time, you know, my, my wife who's not in recovery, you know, she'll crack open a bottle of wine or something like that. And that sounds sweet, man, you know, to just share a bottle of wine. Right. But I know for me, it would, it would likely start the process again, you know, when I introduce chemicals into my system. So, you know, th those, those moments last for a short time, you know, and it's typically like, for me in high stress times where I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. You know, like now, you know, there have been times throughout this past four months where I've been like, yeah, a bottle of beer or a glass of wine sounds pretty sweet right now. You know, just to, just to forget about what's going on, you know, but that's, I think that's my problem is that like, I would not be aiming to enjoy the experience with my wife. I'm aiming to like, forget about stuff, man. And that's the difference, I think, for me, at least. And a lot of other people, they, 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 they drink to get to a certain point of not remembering stuff, you know, and that's what I wanted. And you mentioned you have small kids and given what's going on right now and being sober, I mean, thank God you do have the decade in whatever, almost a half that you've been sober, but you, you, have, you have small kids. Right. And that is, I mean, they used, I mean, I'm sure seven-year-old used to go to school and you were on this routine that you had every day. I don't know if yeah. the little one went to babysitter or you had a babysitter come in or they went to daycare, whatever it was, but you had this routine and all that came to a screeching halt and yeah. you're like, oh my God, all right, now what? And how have, what tools would you share with somebody who's out there who's like, I, all I do is go and I turn to that glass of wine because at the end of the day, I am so beat. I right. can't take it anymore. I do want to turn it off, like you mentioned. I just want it all to stop. And that's think, medicating myself. So what do you do instead? You know, um, I think similar to like my experience and even in the early process of recovery, right, is, is it's so important for me even now, especially as we were sharing before the meeting, you know, before this podcast started, is like I have – I've recommitted to just reaching out to people, right? And, and that can be kind of tough because I, I'm, as I mentioned before, I'm, I'm a pretty high, I think, pain tolerance. And that doesn't mean physical, you know, that means mental. Like I, I can take stuff, you know, and I'll be like, I got this, you know, or this is, you know, this is not, it's not a big deal or whatever. I'll just dismiss it, you know? And before I know it, I'm in some real pain and I've had to go, you know, I've made some, really dumb choices and I'll, I need to go back and make amends to people that I don't want to. Right. I think that I'm, I'm noticing now, like, you know, uh, yeah, meditation and all that stuff helps. Uh, but noticing just those little pieces around, like I'm starting to get a little discontent here. You know, I'm starting to feel the burn, whatever. It, I, I don't want to dismiss that anymore. Right. You know, cause I, I think that it comes down to me for like, in, in a lot of ways, like a, a question of worth. It's like, you know, how, how much am I worth right now? Not like money wise, but like, you know, how much am I worth to not have to go through this pain? And, and I think, you know, uh, my pain tolerance is becoming less and less because it's not necessary. I don't have to go through this 
by myself, right? It's, it's, it's not advised to do that. It's not smart to do that. So, you know, whether it's Zoom, whether it's a phone call, whether it, you know, it's six feet apart, you're in a meeting outside, do it, man. You know, just do it. Uh, because, you know, this, this is not going to stop, I don't think, anytime soon, like from what I can tell. You know, this is going to go on for a while. And I think the patterns that I set for myself now are going to, are going to bear fruit later on, you know, when I really am in some pain, whatever it looks like. And, and I've made those choices to, to be proactive about, you know, recovery and recovery can mean so many different things. You know, as I mentioned, I bought a bike, you know, I've, I've, i going for walks, you know, and, and I think it's okay to not be on all the time. Right. I think that's okay. You know? Uh, and that's not like a free pass. That's just saying like pumping the brakes is okay. You know, because I think that we're in a culture anyway, where it's like, you need, you need to be on all the time. Right. We've got instant message. We got phone. I mean, everything. So, right. So disconnecting from, from all that is I think a really good thing, you know, and I think it needs to be intentional too. like, not be like, you know, well, I'm going to wait until this gets done. It's like, no, dude, just stop for 15, 20 minutes go outside, take a break. Don't get on Facebook, you know, and just go for a walk, you know? And I think that if we're talking about like being productive, that feeds productivity, man. It, it helps my brain just to just kind of put a small reset button on the day, you know? So that, that'd be what I do. And also reading, you know, a lot of literature in recovery. That's I think super helpful. So do you intentionally, do you and your wife like have a basket that you're like, all right, we're going to put the cell phones in here and we're turning it all off and we're turning off the computers and we're just going to be here <laughs> and plan like it used to be, you know, growing up, yeah. we didn't have all these things no. going on to do that. <laughs> no, we, we've got, uh, it's funny you say that we've got kind of like a look, you know, and it's like, if I'm at the dinner table and I'm like checking, you know, I'm like, all right, you know, all right, she's eating right now. She's probably not paying attention to me. <laughs> Let me just see what this email is right here, you know, or, or, or whatever, you know, I'm looking at desks, like I said, so let me see what this desk looks like. It's like, the point is I'm not being present, you know, I'm not being present with her and, and, and she deserves that. And I owe her that, you know, and I owe myself that, like I was saying, right. Because I mean, yeah, we've been married for 10 plus years now, but you know, the, there's, there's still a lot of magic that can happen in this relationship. You know, it's up to me to pay attention though. You know, I think that that's what's important, you know, and so not, she me, she'll give me a look. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and not letting the uncertainty that is going on outside of our lives right now, because none of us have any power over anything, right? We have no power over who's looting, who's not looting, what's going on with the coronavirus, who's wearing a mask, who's not wearing a mask. I mean, it's just like getting to that place of peace. And so you go outside and you find peace. And luckily it is the summer now, right? And we get to have that extra light. So nice. So it's nice. And meditation, didn't you find meditation in the beginning difficult? Like, were you doing it right? Like, I always question myself. I'm like, okay, I'm sitting here trying to meditate. Did I feed the dog? Oh, the laundry's been sitting in the washer for feeding. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I still do that. You know? yeah. I'll still be out there and I'm thinking to myself, you know, is this really helpful? You know, but you know, it's, it's like, again, you know, I think 
it's that piece of slowing down, right? That I don't want to, you know? So I think part of it is just, it's discipline. You know, it's like, all right, I, I'm, I'm white knuckling it here right now, but you know what? I, I have some faith that this is going to pay off. Like this will help me, you know, when I am driving down the freeway and some guy cuts me off, you know, and I'm like, Ooh, man, I want to speed up right now and just get behind him and you know, all that crazy stuff. Right. But I'm not going to, right. And I think that the times that I am consistently practicing meditation, you know, even if it's for five minutes in the morning that I find myself doing that less and less. And, and it's incredible to like, I'm able to focus more, you know, which is cool, you know? So I, I think it's well worth it. You know, I don't do it every day, but you know, I think that it's, it's certainly, it, there's payoff there. So something that you said, I just can't get out of my head. So when you went to that first meeting, yeah, might not have been your first meeting, but the round robin meeting, let's say it's your third meeting, whatever yeah, right. it's in early recovery and you go in yeah. there and somebody calls you out. Right. And, and embarrasses you. Right. That is, I know that that for so many people would be it. Like that was enough. Cause I, cause as alcoholics and addicts, we already hate ourselves, right? We beat ourselves up. We have the largest baseball bat in the head that we constantly do on ourselves. Yeah. And then to be called out by someone that we kind of trusted a little bit, at least for me, I felt like when I first went to, like I put everybody on a pedestal, right? I'm like, they're all, and um, especially people who had more recovery. Right. And, then they call you out and you got over that. But when, how did you get through that? And then today, like, how do you get through when there are people around you in these places that let you down, but you still keep going back because it happens because we're human, right? Yeah. So how do you do that? So for me, like if we're going back to that meeting, yeah. uh, you know, uh, as I said, it takes what it takes. Uh, I, I wasn't ready yet either. That's the other thing, you know, I'm 20, 21 at the time. I'm just, I wasn't ready, you know, so, so that, that played into it big time, right? I hadn't experienced enough arrests, uh, going to jail. I haven't experienced enough of that yet, right? Um, and loss of jobs, et cetera, those kinds of things. So, uh, you know, I think what kept me going is that, yes, I, I did have a good relationship with a therapist at the time who would help me, you know, with some depression and stuff like that, that you know, whatever. And, um, you know, so I'd go back to him and, and I think I probably told him too, like about what was going on and yada, yada. But, you know, like uh, having support from areas that I didn't expect it was big. So like my parents, you know, even though they drove me crazy, um, right. You know, they, they definitely were helpful. And, and God love them, you know, they, they stuck with me through those, those difficult times, like where I was like, just get the hell away from me, you know, that kind of thing, right? So I think today what keeps me coming back, even when I'm not able to access, you know, people in person, um, it, it's, 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 it's the literature, man. Uh, that, that's huge for me. You know, the, the, the big book, the, the basic text. Um, I'm an NA guy, so, um, you know, the Living Clean text is a awesome book. Um, my wife, or no, my daughter said to me that day, cause I read it so much, you know, she's like, she's like, daddy, why do you read that same book? I was like, you know, I was like, sweetie, it's just, it's so good. You know, <laughs> she's like, there's no pictures in it or anything. Like, I was like, I know. Um, so that's huge. And then I think also 
today it's, it's a relationship with a sponsor, man. That's huge. It's, it's everything, you know, uh, I have to have that, you know, at different times in my recovery, I've had, you know, good sponsors, not so good sponsors. Um, and today I think that my recovery looks different than it did, you know, 12, 13 years ago. Um, it's, it's definitely more today, I think about a spiritual connection for me, uh, and in doing the right thing, especially when other people aren't looking, uh, you, you know, cause I get to home, I get to go home at night and have some, and I don't mean this in a boastful way, I get to have some pride about that stuff. That feels good. You know, it feels really good to do that. And, and it's taken a while to, I think, get to that sort of place. Right. Uh, and in life, as we said before, before this started, you know, life happens, it's going to show up and there's no guarantees that recovery is going to paint this rosy picture of a life for me, you know, but what it will help me do is get through the times with, with dignity, respect, and, 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 uh, an opportunity to go back and, and make things right when, when I have act, when I've done something, you know, so I get to live with myself today, you know, in a, in a, in a much better way. You know, and, and to me, that's, that's great. And you mentioned spirituality and I want to just touch on that a little bit because I know that some people come in and they're like, I, you know, I was raised this, I was raised that, this is yeah. so daunting. Were you raised with any religion? So it's a funny thing you'd ask that. Uh, my mom and dad had very different views on religion. Uh, my mom, uh, 100% Italian, Catholic, right? Uh, my dad grew up in an Irish household where um, his, his father was very, you know, much about, you know, he was like an usher for the church, but his mom had a huge resentment against the church, you know, because, I mean, she had six kids and, you know, they, and she was an alcoholic too. So you got six kids running around and you can only imagine that he's gone, you know, her, her husband, my grandfather's gone all the time. He's just, you know, salesman and he's, you know, traveling all the time. So she's got six kids to deal with. Right. And she had a huge resentment, like, you know, about the church and, and what we were, what she was supposed to do to be a good mom and all that stuff. Right. So there was a very conflictual view, I think, of religion and what it looks like. In, in fact, kind of what you were saying about a bad experience in recovery. I think I had a very bad experience with what learning about spirituality can look like. Right. So, um, I think that's what good sponsors do anyway, not to get too far off, but I think good sponsors educate their sponsees about what good meetings look like and what not so good meetings look like. And it's up to you, the sponsee, to find out like what a good meeting feels, looks like for you. And you, I, I mean, like I knew, you know, as soon as I went to that first meeting and, and hey, I was like, I'm here, man, this is it, you know? So I've kind of come around and it's funny you'd say that because uh, I'm married to a Episcopal priest, you know? Yeah. So my wife is an Episcopal priest and, and we were having a discussion probably about a month ago where we want to create a ritual each Sunday. We need to get back at it, but each Sunday afternoon, evening where, you know, we sit down at the dinner table, there's no electronics going on. And we just say, look, you know, to each other, you know, these are things that, that I love about you, you know, that I really appreciate, you know, about, about who you are. Right. And to me, that's, that's a God thing right there, right? And it's not religious, it's a God thing, you know, where it's like, I'm just, I'm just validating, you know, because I, I, I do love you. And these are things that I've noticed this past week that I love about you, you know? And there's no but ands and none of that. It's like, you know, this is it, man, you know? 
and it's a way to connect, you know, each Sunday for to kind of wrap up the week, right? So I don't know. I mean, maybe I'll come back around to something religious. Maybe not, you know. But for me, the, the cool thing is I get to I get to have a say, a big say in, in what that looks like today. And it makes it at least for me, and I'm Episcopalian, so it's kind of cool. <clears throat> and I love it. I'm actually went to church with my daughter virtually on Zoom. Um, you know, knowing that we're not alone is a really big thing. I think for getting in to, to become recovered, okay, to become recovered and to become able to live our lives with everything that's going on is to know that maybe there is something actually out there that's bigger than us that I'm going to trust. Because for yeah. so long, my drug, my, my booze was my, that was my God, right? Like your pills and or weed, whatever it was. You know, that becomes your God. And so to replace it with something, and it doesn't have to be so tangible that you have to touch it or anything else. It's just believing that it's out there and you might not be able to see it, touch it, smell it, or feel it, but right. it's there. Yeah. And, you know, as you, were, as you were saying all that, I was thinking about, there's a line in that Living Clean book, basically, that says um, it, it, it can take a long time for us to realize that we have uh, some that our lives are our own. They're not anybody else's. Right. And, uh, I think a big piece of that, what you're, what we're talking about for me at least is that, that God piece, that spirituality piece that, you know, I, I have, I gave myself permission. I, I continue to give myself permission to figure out what that looks like. Right. And it, it changes, it changes each, each day, each week, each month. Uh, and I would also say it deepens, you know, it continues to grow, um, where, as you said, we're covered up, you know, um, it, it, I think it's my, it's my duty. It's my job. I think as a person in recovery to yes, carry the message, but also someone who's not even in recovery, just to be an open hand to them and, and, and just to welcome them, you know, whatever that looks like, you know, that's just being, I think a good person, you know, uh, and that's what good people do. Right. Um, there's a buddy of mine who says, you know, and, and uh, you know, he says, uh, you know, Zach, you come from good stock, you know? And I was like, it's like, yeah, I guess I do, man. You know, like that, that lady I was telling you about that had the six kids, you know, that was, I mean, she, she started drinking, you know, we called her Bunga. That was my grandma. 